Hi, welcome to Ask for Adina. I'm Dr. Allison Feit. In today's episode, we are summing up a season of roles and scripts and looking for opportunities to change our internal roles. Tune in and learn how to flip your internal script for good. Before we get into our last episode of the season, I just wanted to mention that there won't be a corresponding shrink thing for this episode. We're wrapping up our deep dive into enactments in general, and there isn't a specific idea that needs further explanation. I really hope you've enjoyed the season. It's so hard to believe that this is our last episode of our first season, uh, which focused on uh, flipping your internal script and enactments. Uh, it's really been an exciting season, and I've particularly enjoyed how many different callers called in with what sounded like a very different problems, uh, but that when we sat and thought about it a bit, you can see common themes running throughout them. Uh, so if you go back in the other episodes, you'll be able to see uh, very common interactions that take place, whether it's the priest and the confessor or the cop and the robber or many of the other paradigms we see. Uh, Once you keep your mind open, you can see that we are all constantly walking around with various scripts we're enacting, and it's kind of fun sometimes to be a little playful about it. And when you're finding yourself particularly stuck in a place that you keep on repeating things, you know you're kind of going nowhere, and the other person's also repeating things and going nowhere. So try to figure out uh, which script am I in and how in the world did I pick it up? Uh, it lends a little bit of playfulness to what can otherwise be a little bit of a trying situation. In this last episode, we're going to look at very different calls. Uh, one of them is by somebody who sees a snake and gets anxious and is curious as to why. And I talk a little bit about the ways in which we have these diffuse anxieties or these things happening within us. And sometimes uh, the person we play them out with is not a person at all, but in this case, it's a snake. Um, The other caller calls in with a basic idea of how to get along with people. And I thought that was a really great episode uh, as well. Um, because she's really discussing, um, I know that I'm entering a situation which in the past has been very difficult, very trying. I tend to enter into this situation and enact specific patterns with family members every single time. So she's examining this fact. She's examining that it's going to be Groundhog Day all over again. And although her call is very simple, um, I thought it was really indicative of a broader mind space that we could be in, where we know we're going to go in, we know exactly what's going to happen, because we've been there so many times before. And how can we figure out which scripts we're playing where, and how can we flip those internal scripts by understanding them? Uh, So that's really why I chose those calls. Um... I'm really excited uh, to have you uh, join me in this endeavor and uh, perhaps in your comments and response on uh, Freudina.com, you can let me know a little bit about um, other enactment patterns you might be interested in. 
Um, and other questions you have, uh, feel free to call in uh, and leave at uh, 212-784-6820. That's 212-784-6820. And um, leave your so questions for Fredina um, as we start our countdown. And get along with them so I don't lose my mind. Thank you. I chose this caller from amongst many other similar calls. Uh, for particular reasons, I really feel that has broad appeal. This person's home from college and is anticipating a drama conflama with her folks and said, you know, give me a hand here. Give me some tips so I don't lose my mind. Uh, it's actually a brilliant question and one that so few of us have the optimism to share. Uh, her tone was not very optimistic, but asking the question shows a sense that she has some agency. She feels she has, she has some control over might, what might happen. Um, and I actually call her, despite the fact that you may have asked this in desperation or in a Hail Mary pass of some sort, I actually have some real answers for you. Um, and I thought it was kind of perfect uh, for the last episode of our, our, of our first season. Um, what you ask appears super simple. Uh, but what you're really asking is not for practical advice, but rather you're flagging that you're about to get into enactments with your folks. You're about to get into trouble with them. And what can you do to anchor you so you don't fall into that trap? Um, I think that that's really what we're talking about, that if we start examining our lives, we can see that we get into enactment patterns with the people we love the most. Uh, that's why Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner uh, episodes of TV shows or uh, the winter releases of uh, going home over a break uh, with family dinners are always so funny because most of us relate to the fact that there'll be enactment patterns that despite our best wishes, uh, we just go back home even if we haven't been there all year and the same fights will resume once again despite our best efforts. We'll be arguing with our mother over whether or not we prepared the cranberry exactly correctly and with your sister over whether or not it was your turn or her turn to have your kids have the better bathroom and once again Uncle Dave will refuse to shower and people will be arguing over whether or not it's polite to tell him it's almost like Groundhog Day um, and that's actually uh, one of the reasons that these mo movies are so popular um, they're picking up on a particular aspect of human interaction which is that we internalize scripts when we're young and we tend to play out the same scripts with people over and over. So some of them are very positive in terms of the scripts that really work with us when we're finding meaningful interactions with others. And some of the scripts are things we just simply cannot avoid. So uh, one caller seemed to have asked, you know, why when I'm with my folks, can I not help but be irritated by them? We've often gotten calls about things such as, the first thing my mother does when I walk into the house was to, is to look at the baby and tell me that he's either t too warm or too cold. You know, I mean, I know I'll be triggered. So there are kinds of ways in which you can anticipate the kinds of enactments that will happen with each person. And I find that preparation is often uh, very, very much um, useful. Uh, it sounds silly, but one of the wonderful things about getting up and having predictable enactments with your folks or with the people in your house, is that you know exactly what's gonna happen. You've done it a thousand times before. 
Uh, that makes it infuriating, but it actually also makes it a terrific opportunity to work productively on the things about yourself that you don't like. So if you know predictably you're going to go down to breakfast with your sister and she's going to have made just enough pancakes for her and your brother and not enough for you and then you're going to engage in an argument, think about your thoughts and feelings when you're going down there and try to really feel why it is that you're going to get upset. Is it that you're hurt because the two of them are closer than you are? Is it because she's done it with some sort of aggression because she doesn't really like you? Is it because uh, you find that in life you're generally bending over for backwards for her and you don't feel that she's reciprocating? Is it just a, an accident that she doesn't always measure out the exact amount of breakfast foods? Um, try to think really deeply about this stuff when you go, da- go down. And as you're triggered, you know, try to think about it with some sort of remove. So again, this last episode is going to be a little bit more into the what can I do, what should I be doing type of thing. And the first hint here in this uh, response to this, this caller is to think deeply about yourself as you're being triggered into enactments with the various people in your home while um, stuck inside with them for long periods of time. And if you can treat it a little bit like a science experiment, sort of looking at what happens with some degree of remove, Rather than always feeling in it, having one foot in it and one foot out of it, and you look at yourself and others almost like you're in a museum or a science experiment of some sort, um, you can find that you have some distance from this stuff and you're not as deeply entrenched and unable to think. Anyway, I hope that's helpful. I know that that's an unusual answer to your question. Uh, So the more usual things is uh, uh, stay busy, find other things to do, make sure to get out of the house in whatever way you can that's safe, and uh, do important things that ground yourself and make yourself be happy. Hi, Fordina. I'm calling you from Australia. A few months ago, we found a massive six-foot snake in our back shed and have been on the edge of a sense. I'm feeling like I'm getting a little bit OCD, checking the toilet for snakes, sitting on tables with my feet raised off the floor, carrying a stick or a broom with me wherever I go around the house or yard. I just can't get it out of my head. Any tips for not acting so crazy? Thanks. Hi, caller. I'm so sad to hear about your six-foot snake in your back shed. Sounds like even though it was a few months ago, you're still having real trouble with it. Uh, From what you describe... uh, getting on tables and lifting your feet, checking toilets, walking around with a stick, feeling like you're super OCD and can't calm down. Uh, That's real, really, really, really stressful, and I'm so sorry. Uh, The first question I have to ask really myself is, what is it with this snake? Meaning you didn't really have trouble before the snake, and it sounds like you're having a lot of anxiety about the snake. Uh, To some extent, it seems to me that you're having internal anxiety that has nothing to do with the snake. You're just anxious and that you've kind of externalized it to a snake. You've taken your anxiety out of yourself and you've projected it onto a snake. Uh, So you have an imagined other personified who's causing you anxiety or in this case, maybe an imagined other who's herpetologized, which is a fantasy word for the study of snakes. So shout out to my uh, BFF from childhood, the herpetologist. Um, In any event, you know, whatever is going on inside, it seems like you're acting it out with the snake. So in this case, uh, the fears that are internal, you're having that dance and enacting it with another. 
that someone is causing you fear rather than you internally feeling fearful of things and trying to cope with them. And this is an extraordinarily common thing, that the things that we feel inside are very, very hard to live with. So we take it out of ourselves and feel it with another. Uh, you can see it very calmly, for example, if you had a shout, with, shout fest with your boss at work, coming home and kicking the dog unconsciously for being in the way and then realizing a minute later that you were unkind to your dog, who you love so much, but had been feeling unconsciously angry. Um, so there are lots of ways in which we have feelings inside that we can't really cope with. And we find an imagined other or a specific other, um, and that's where we put the locus of the anxiety. So I would think that this anxiety about snakes is really about anxieties that are happening internally and that you're searching for them externally outside of yourself. Yes, it is true ob objectively that you're scared of snakes, but that you're actually fearful of many other things that are going on internally. Um, and if I were you in terms of thinking about enactments, I'd figure out what am I enacting with the snake and what internal processes, what roles am I taking on and what is driving my anxiety? Um, there are very good ways of dealing with uh, simple phobias. Uh, so if snakes begin to take over your life, I'm sure it's easy to find ways to cope with that. Uh, but I'm more concerned because we find that even after simple phobias are cured, like you might be cured from your snake, it's important to figure out the reasons you're so highly anxious overall, unless in fact it's only about the snake. So I'd spend good time thinking about what happened on the day you found the snake, after the snake, with the snake, what other people were involved, the kinds of thoughts and fears you have about the snake, and if there are other things that make you fear, feel fearful, or there are memories around it. Um, if you're really not anxious and it's just about snakes, that's one thing. And again, such simple treatments can be very helpful. But if you're feeling that this is an, an overall anxiety that you're kind of placing into the snake, for lack of technical language, uh, that I would encourage you to uh, work on your overall anxiety. Because uh, sitting with anxiety that you don't really understand doesn't lead to anything good. Uh, sort of thinking through and understanding what's driving your anxiety, I think is very helpful, uh, which is why I'm sure you know uh, one of our very first courses on Freudina Academy is about anxiety and anxiety regulation, uh, because it's the kind of thing that people often get stuck with for very long periods of time, and it's really quite uh, easy uh, to take away at least part of that or lower the volume on the, on the internal angst. Uh, so thanks so much for calling in, and I do hope you find your snake. I hope that this podcast has been helpful for you and that in this season where we're looking at internalized scripts and the roles that we have available and act out internally have been a part of your thinking process about your own life and the ways in which you behave, things you might like to change or not change 
or just a better understanding of why you act the way you do. Uh, here at Freudina, that's really basically our concern, to help people know much more about what goes on in their unconscious mind, uh, to make the implicit explicit, to make the unconscious conscious. Uh, when we do have a full understanding of what's going on with us, we can then make really good decisions about what we want to do. When there are things that are hidden from us, it's much harder to do that. So this attempt in our first season to look at the ways in which we internally script things and enact roles uh, is one of many things we'll be using in future seasons, uh, and, and I hope it was helpful. Uh, in trying to think a little bit about uh, the ways in which you can help yourself do the kinds of things uh, that in psychoanalysis we've been talking about for a long time, uh, I've been thinking a lot, little bit about the calls we've gotten and the kinds of concerns people have. Uh, one thing that therapists do is that when you're in session, uh, they're taught to uh, tend not only to the content of what you bring, the actual ideas and words that you bring, but to the process of what you bring. One way of thinking about process is to think about what is happening in the room rather than the words that are being said. Um, we say what is happening is someone trying to lord it over you, is someone trying to make you feel good, is someone trying to bolster your self-esteem. What is it that the, that the therapist is experiencing from the patient? What is the patient attempting to communicate or trying to enact? So while listening to words, it's also important to listen to the process. And this type of metacommunication, which is really um, not about the content of the words, but about what's going on behind of that, um, is in a, in a way talking about the implicit transaction uh, that takes place between two people. But as we've learned, a lot of what takes place in different roles between two people is in fact the same thing that happens internally to us, that we are in communication with different aspects of ourselves. So if metacommunication in therapy is to try to bring into ongoing awareness the patient therapy interactive process, you can think of metacommunication inside of yourself as a type of mindfulness, a type of attending to your own internal world. What are you doing to you when you argue with yourself? What are you doing to you when you have a decision to make or when you're conflicted about something? What kinds of process, what kind of roles are you bringing to the dialogue and what is playing itself out? So in, as much as possible, uh, I'm going to ask everybody to try to utilize these podcasts uh, to think about the ways in which they're immediately applicable to your own life. Um, in terms of metacommunication, your immediate experience of some aspect of what's going on with you, your immediate experience is what's important to uh, really understand your life, to initiate an explicit exploration of the thing that you're unconsciously enacting. And with the tools that we've talked about, it gives us some clues on how to be your own internal archaeologist and to start looking for clues and figuring out what you're arguing with within yourself. Uh, most of the time we find that the things that you're enacting 
with yourself are often very uncomfortable. And that's why you end up enacting it with other people or you can kind of blame it on the other person and not fight the fact that the things that you're arguing with with someone else are really two aspects of yourself. And it's a heck of a lot uh, more pleasant to argue with someone else and to constantly be stuck with yourself arguing with yourself because there's never any escape. Um, so that's quite a lot of uh, information for me that I wanted to get across in terms of understanding uh, how to think of unconscious scripts. Um, needless to say, quite a bit of unconscious scripts is relating to um, relationships with others, uh, which we um, explicitly have addressed in Freudian Academy, uh, trying to understand the ways in which relationships are formed and also to anxiety. The problems we have in the world are often related to internal aspects of self that we have a trouble with. And in fact, uh, as I've said, it's a lot easier to argue with other people than to argue with yourself. So sometimes these things uh, find, find their way forward. Um, so I guess you can think of this podcast as a bit of a unpacking of your unconscious baggage um, or DIY therapy of sorts. Um, I think it's really helpful to be to have had so many calls talking about so many different kinds of topics. And as we're planning our next season, I really welcome um, all kinds of calls uh, so we can help uh, further uh, uncover that which is hidden and uh, bring the implicit things uh, to be explicit and to uh, do further work to um, free ourselves of our uh, unconscious baggage. Uh, thanks so much for the wonderful support we've had for our first season. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks for joining me this week. If you want some suggestions of things that might be impeding your life and ways to think differently about them, check out for Adina's Brain Hacks. These five quick and easy brain hacks will give you some insight into why you do the things you do so you can start approaching your life with more control and a touch less crazy. Grab them at www.freudina.com backslash hacks. If you are enjoying the conversations we are having here on Ask Freudina, let me know. Head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. The more love we get, the more people we reach. Thanks for your support, and I'll see you in the next episode.